Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. Where we were in the greater conversation, actually, it's so perfect, was to the degree to which you're comfortable. Um, what are some of the experiences you've had with approval seeking? Wow. Oh, my God. So when I first moved to L.A., uh, there were two producers that I met. The first guy was in like the R&B world, kind of like, you know, Sierra, Aguilera, like that. And he definitely wanted to get me in the studio to get new songs done because I had a bunch of like these Nina Simone inspired songs that I had recorded, you know, and the production was a little bit ghetto. Um, but there was one record called dark side Hmm. that really got everyone's attention. And I ended up re getting that song reproduced. Um, but he told me, oh my God, never play these songs for anybody. Just make sure you never play these songs for anyone, you know? And he just trashed the production, right? Which is totally, um, uh, um, expected because he's the type of producer that's dealing with heavy auto tune and, Pro Tools HD and, you know, radio ready songs that are overproduced. So, you know, it's like if you listen to um, any artist that's doing real, real, like no auto tune, like real music and just raw, like, I mean, I don't want to say Amy Winehouse, but someone that's doing something a little bit more raw. Like when Sia first came out, like it it was just her and there's no extra crap on her voice. Breathe Me, one of the best songs of all time. Exactly. So that planted the seed in my brain. Like, oh my God, I can't, I can't record music with live instruments and I can't record music with just my voice because that's so embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. And so I became obsessed with, you know, overproduced pop. And then I was discovered by another producer who finally got me my first five song EP. And that really got, um, got me off the ground because these songs were overly produced (laughs) (laughs) they were very overly produced but we you know like stupid girl who some some of my friends have heard and we used to we did have a music video for stupid girl but stupid girl got the attention of writers and our people i mean that's really when people wanted to start working with me and um had faith in me as a writer Mm -hmm. um but the production really helped so then that, that really solidified that idea of, oh my God, I that have belief. to be overproduced yeah. or else I'm not going to have a career. So, and that sucks because it made me lose my confidence in my voice and singing live. Like is a mass amount of fear, you know, about who I was and, and my, 
natural organicness. You know, it's so funny. I, just, I didn't even know this part of the story. Like for as much as we talk, this is never a thing that we've talked about. I'm so glad that we're talking yeah. about this because that's something I've, I've missed actually. And I've not told you that I feel I can tell you now I've so missed. I, I've told you more recently. I love just listening to your voice. And so <laughs> some of these super heavy produced songs, I'm like, I lose, I lose your wonderful voice. I miss you and an acoustic <laughs> guitar. And I had no idea that you'd had that experience that led you to stop doing that because I always love listening to you and just a guitar. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I mean, remember in 2010, I mean, Britney was still number one, Yeah. you know, and all like just any pop artist at that time, you know, um, I mean, I'll just say it, Aguilera, Timberlake. I mean, those three were like running the game for a long time. Yeah. Usher. Um, so, and all of their music was that, you know, mm-hmm. um, Lots of dance anyways, pop. yeah, Lots of dance pop. but you also know that I had a parent that did not want me to be a singer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get another, there. We'll get there in a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, okay. So being taken advantage of, so these guys knowing that I, I was so insecure, I mean, that's the easiest victim. Oh, she's a girl pop singer and she's so insecure and I can manipulate her and I can tell her anything and she'll believe it. Mm -hmm. I can break her down and I can have control over her. And that's what these dudes do. I mean, look at, look at R. Kelly. (laughs) He knows how much power and control he has over these young girls that don't know their own power and they don't know how to say no. They don't know that it's a lie for Christ's sake. Right. So you start believing the lies that people tell you and it's not even constructive criticism. It's just a man trying to break this girl down to have power over her because it's like addicting for them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I just, I hope that we are stepping into a new era where 16, 17, 18 year olds can now say, you're a liar. I know the truth. You know, don't come near me. Mm-hmm. Cause I can tell that you're a manipulative sociopath. Right. Period. I mean, I didn't even know the terms narcissist, sociopath. You know, I wasn't having conversations like this with anybody. Mm-hmm. I was just on the fast track to, oh my God, I have to make it before I turn 24 or before I turn 25 and because it's going to be too late. Right. If I don't make it. You're going to age out. Yeah. That was all I cared about. You know, I was so scared that I wasn't going to make it. And then I kept finding myself in these dangerous situations And I was scared all the time and I was hurting and, you know, and the only thing that kept me going was the fear and the terror of like, oh my God, if I don't make it, then I'm a loser, you know? And like all the people from my mom's dance studio are going to think that I am a nobody, Mm. that I just um, didn't have what it took to be a star. 
Yeah. How unhealthy. What a crazy internal dialogue to live for so many years in that mental prison and not even know what it's like to be truly loved and to have friends that really have your back and happiness, you know, to not even know about any of that stuff because you're so brutally locked into this mental prison, you know? And, but I mean, there is something to be said for manifestation because I really did manifest every single thing that happened in the timeline. I mean, after I worked with Mario Marchetti, then I'm now I'm with Ace Young and Diana DeGarmo in this pop group and Ace Young and Diana both did American Idol and they worked with Tony Nelson and Tony Nelson met me and Tony ends up doing 14 demo tracks with me. And then Tony gives my stuff to Mutt Lang. And that's how I got on the radio. Right. So yeah, I mean, it's sad that I deprived myself of life. Yeah. Of friendship and love and happiness. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just, I was, even though I was like so dysfunctional and out of control, <laughs> Because I, you know, before 2012, I mean, just to be really super candid, I quit drinking in 2012 Mm -hmm. because I found out I was allergic to alcohol. But before I knew I was allergic to alcohol, you know, I, I was drinking and, Mm -hmm. you know, you fill the void with these things and you just keep hustling until something big happens and something big happened but it was so unhealthy. It was so unhealthy. And, and, you know, it took two years to get that album done. I thought I was going to lose my fucking mind. I was Mm. so on the brink of snapping. And, um, and then finally, you know, I had a dream and Sue Laner, my mother came to me in the dream and she said, you will make it before it's too late. And then I wake up and there's an email saying, okay, fly to New York. You know, this huge management company wants to meet with you. Mm-hmm. So Tony flew in from Sweden and I flew in from LA and we're both in New York going, oh my effing God, this is fucking about to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So I'm, I'm grateful that I finally had a chance to be, quote, validated and to be on the radio. Right. But there are so many things with that situation that were not authentically me. Right. You know, and it's like, I hate to say it, but the music was not authentically me. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. you, you, you just, you set that aside because you're like, it's okay. I'll deal with that later. Mm-hmm. Cause you just want to get your foot in the door which sucks. And that's probably why it didn't come to fruition. It didn't fully manifest into the dream that I wanted because internally I, there was so much stuff missing and I was unhealthy mentally. And, um, you know, and I, and even still, I didn't have anyone helping me. Right. I mean, there, there was the, all these live shows You know, I didn't have a vocal coach. I didn't have anyone helping me rehearse. They were just like, go, go perform. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and my best friend, Michelle, was like my roadie. Whenever she could come with me, she was with me. And even she would be like, what the F are they doing? They're just like telling you to go perform. Yeah. So that's another thing about this industry is you think it's all glitz and glamour. And you think that all, you have like a, a glam squad and like this big team behind you. And it's like, well, in a sense, I had a team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were putting me on the radio and booking shows for me, but I didn't have a team. Right. I didn't have anyone that was like, hey, support are you system. okay? Yeah. yeah. Or like, hey, let's get you in a rehearsal space so that you feel good about your show. Right. Right? Because that's the whole point. I mean, if you're selling a brand, the brand better be fully functional and ready to sell. Mm-hmm. Where you just throw it out to the walls. Yeah. So there are so many things about that situation that I knew it wasn't right. And I knew it was probably going to phase out, fizzle out. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, just to finish the story, Capitol Records and RCA Records were both like, hey, we want to bring her in for a meeting, but we don't necessarily want these songs. Mm-hmm. And the people managing me were like, well, you take her and the producer or we're not bringing her in for a meeting. Literally Mm -hmm. three years of my life were literally flushed down a random toilet. Mm -hmm. And all of the, the fighting and the tears and the crying and the, you know, losing my mind a million times. It you know, was it all for nothing? No. But at the same time, how the fuck do you come back from that? It's really hard, you know? And it's like in the beginning of this conversation, you bring up the word resilience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. It's like you're a caterpillar and you have to become a butterfly so many times. Mm -hmm. And you really do go back into this cocoon and hide from the world. And hopefully you don't do drugs and you don't drink while you're in there because that's why, you know, these days we're seeing so many suicides. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's being careful with yourself, your soul, because we're all going to die anyway. So like, hold on. Okay. You had to walk away from capital and RCA, but you're not going to die. So don't, You know, it's really, 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 really hard because you just want to be mad at people. You want to, you want to point fingers at them and tell them that it's their fault. But in any business, when you lose everything, you got to pick up the pieces and start all over again. Period. All of us have to do it. Nobody is alone in this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what's so interesting hearing you tell this this story in this compact fashion, um, something that I talk with people a lot is about making conscious choices. So it's it's one thing to have the circumstances you described and you're kind of just being marched through them, right? That's kind of that victim stuff that you were talking about where it's all happening to me and then there's... And that, that's different when you say, I am making a conscious choice to sacrifice X in order to get Y. I'm conscious about it. And it is, 
I'm in integrity when I do it. I feel good making that sacrifice. If I say feel good, I don't mean sacrifice feels good, but I mean, <laughs> as, as a matter of conscience or as a matter of, of uh, alignment to, to your values or whatever else, you can say, I understand my values. Understanding my values, I am going to choose X over Y or I'm going to sacrifice X for Y or whatever else that you can make those conscious decisions. But it's, it takes a lot of self-work to get into a place where you can do that. So your example of being like, you know, all these, when you say momager, I always laugh because it's true. I've seen it. Um, yeah. You know, you go to a music conference, like, so I go to this, this music conference in LA and I'll look around and, you know, there's this term pop tart, which is the, the girl that's dressed like to the nines, but you have no idea if she has any talent. Um, yeah. You know, and, uh, and she's walking around with like her mother behind her. Yeah. In her whatever, whatever the hell she's wearing, doesn't matter, mom gear. Um, and it's like, oh, there's the momager. Yeah. You know, who's, who's making sure this kid is safe? Who's making sure blah, 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 right? Because as humans, as my friend Preeti said, uh, even awareness is a privilege. So we assume like everyone should know that they're in the shit and they need to pull themselves out. But the fact is when you're in the shit, you don't know you're in the shit. So assuming that everyone's going to be healthy enough when they step into the situation in the first place to be able to handle it is just not real. Well, that's why, you know, we talk about reprogramming and we talk about peeling the layers back because those teenagers that are, that are in that situation and they don't know yet. I mean, most of us grow up and we're like, Oh my God, our parents were those people. Mm. Holy shit. (laughs) I can't believe that was my mom and dad. Like, you know, most of us go through that realization. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so that's what I'm saying is these days, it's so much more common to talk about how do you reprogram your belief system and your internal dialogue. So yeah. I just, I cross my fingers for anyone that's being kind of guided by someone. And then once you get out of that situation, finding your own belief system and your own opinions and thoughts and maybe even the truth, whatever that is. Right. So that's what I'm doing now. After all of these years, I'm finally going, oh my God, I have to peel off all of this black tar negativity that I've been carrying around from all of these people that have been telling me these lies. Yeah. And another great thing about, you know, what's going on right now with equality is I'll go on Instagram and there's artists like Lizzo and she like plays flute and she raps and you know, she's like a plus size model, like totally not your average pop star at all. And I'm looking at her going, thank you. Like you're helping me feel like I can be myself. Yeah. I don't have to be in a box. Like, look at her. She's on Ellen DeGeneres, not giving a fuck. (laughs) You know? Right, right, right. Just, you know, this curvy body and her flute. And she she does not care. Um, So it's, I don't know. And then there's the LGBTQ community. I mean, it's like there's all these people that have been in these prisons for so long. And these days, it's like we finally have the opportunity to talk about this stuff and to like step out of that trap. Yeah. 
like well, we're doing right now. Yeah, well, so that's actually, I think, a really, a really good point to say maybe, um, again, to the degree that you're comfortable talking about some of the things you're doing now, because in such an approval-seeking industry, yes. how do you, how does someone live their truth and not just like tell their truth? Now, you know, it's, it's show, don't tell, right? So how, how is it that you begin to live your truth? Okay, so let's just confessions. <laughs> this is the confessional with Ryan. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a part of me that just wants to like dress like Elvira or like, um, who's the lady from 101 Dalmatians? Uh, uh, Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille. Like I love like the goth pinup girl stuff, right? Mm. It's like, that is like my favorite, like Tim Burton's my favorite director. So I'll be honest. Like, unfortunately you, if you're walking around in all black with like a black parasol, like it's a funeral every day. Um, that's not popular. That's not mainstream. Mm. People aren't really attracted to that. Now, if you're wearing like, a glittery dress with high heels and your boobs out, everyone's like, oh my God, she's a star. Right. Or whatever the hell that yeah. is. So, okay, that's a dilemma for me. Like, image. Image has always been the number one issue that I'm faced with. And another thing that people have told me a lot is your Instagram does not show who you truly are. Right. And your fans need to see your personality more often. I'm they in that camp. <laughs> what? I'm in that camp. Of yeah. People being like, I want to see more of you on Instagram. Yeah. And the reason why I don't is because I'm worried that I'm not going to look professional. Right. I'm worried that I'm going to look like an idiot. Right. And I'm going to regret, you know, posting something real. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, That's because you, the professionalism thing, right? And tell me if I am, I'm out of sorts here. I don't know why my microphone is switching on me. Um, so many people are joining. <laughs> Maybe it's, um, yeah, I don't know why my microphone's freaking out right now. But um, I'll lean in just in case it's my laptop mic right now. So, um, oh, I know why the power is going. I'll deal with that in a second. So, um, yay, technical difficulties. Um, the reason why you would be concerned about professionalism is if you're still relying on gatekeepers. Yes, there's some truth to that, but it's, it's also um, growing up in a dance studio and there's so many people from my past from my childhood, like all of the moms, my mom, who like, she's not with us anymore. I love me, mom, rest in peace. There's a lot of people from my past that I feel like they're still watching me going, what is she going to do next? Right. right. When is she going to- To which I say, fuck them. Yeah. That's when is me. she going to fuck up? When is she going to snap? When is she going to lose her mind? And, oh no, I'm saying, I'm saying fuck them and I don't care about their opinion, but I'm not you. Right. And I shouldn't care about their opinion, but that's why we're talking about this because exactly how many of you out there care about what other people think of you? 
And you can walk around all day going, I don't give a fuck what other people think about me. But really? Right. Really? Honestly, if you don't give a fuck at all, you're also probably not going to be successful because success still requires interaction with other people. So if you really never give a fuck ever, you're probably not creating the connections in order to be successful either. So it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm like tiptoeing around the whole idea of like being totally candid with, you know, the audience that's out there, my audience, whatever. Like I am still tiptoeing around it. And I know that one day I'm going to, I'm going to do it full blown. Yeah. Once I completely stop caring. Just give me a heads up so I can get the popcorn. Yes. Go get the popcorn because this shit's about to get real big. Um, (laughs) And I can't wait. Like, I know that there's that human standing over there that I'm like trying to get to. I'm like constantly trying to peel these layers off and break the chains off and just be me. And I can't wait. Like, I'm looking forward to that day. But um, I'm still insecure and I'm still dealing with, oh my God, what should I wear? My boobs. Do I look like a porn star? Mm. Um, I need to tone it down. Uh, am I happy? Right. What do I believe in? What? Who am I as an artist? Like, so yeah, it's still a daily struggle. Right. But there's a big part of me that knows exactly who the fuck I am and what I bring to the table. And why I get the reaction I get is because I, it is about artistry and I love putting on a show and I love serving it to you guys. Yeah. I will always serve it. <laughs> I will serve face. I will serve the looks. Even if I'm feeling really insecure about it, I'm still going to go put myself out there and do it because it's a learning experience. It's a process. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you do a photo shoot. Every time you do a music video, every time you record a song, you learn so much shit about yourself. Right. But it shouldn't be, oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. It shouldn't be about right or wrong. It should just be like, okay, we're, we're shaping and molding and growing and it, having a healthier internal dialogue as you grow as a person. Being kind to yourself. What I'm hearing you say is that living your truth is less about perfectly knowing your truth, stepping into it and living it immediately. That living your truth is more about understanding that this is a growth process. That you can have goals for who you want to be and where you want to be, how you want to do it, la la la. And that it's really about each day taking action, putting yourself in positions that are maybe uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm not talking unsafe. We were just, you know, because we started this conversation talking about unsafe circumstances. We're not talking about putting ourselves in unsafe circumstance. We're talking about putting ourselves in uncomfortable circumstances. Those are not the same thing. I.e., I feel insecure, but I'm going to make a choice anyway. I'm going to take an action anyway. Correct. And using yeah. that experience to grow further into your truth because really honestly sometimes in order to find out who we are we have to take actions it's not it can't all be introspection sometimes it has to be taking a risk taking a small risk a safe risk 
and then learning about ourselves through that experience. Oh my God, you have to be a risk taker out here in the jungle. (laughs) It's terrifying. But yes, you're right. Don't compromise your safety. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You'll just be another hoe on the list. Yeah. They're not going to pull favors for you, ladies. Say that again. I think people really need to hear that. I don't think everyone heard that. They're not going to pull favors for you, ladies. (laughs) I mean, they might do one or two things for you, but you'll get thrown in the trash. How do you become powerful? Be an entrepreneur and know your strengths and learn. Be a business person. It's like doing your homework and learning how to run a business. And as an artist, it's the last thing we want to do. Right. You know, because all I want to do is record music and (laughs) sing and dance and you know, make costumes, but it's like, no, bitch, you got to spend six to eight hours on social media, (laughs) building your following and, you know, learning what it is to, um, be a brand and to push your brand because it's 2019. We're in the era of influencers. Yeah. Everyone's an influencer. And some of these kids are like 15 years old making 10 grand a month on YouTube. And all the adults are going, so how did you do that? (laughs) Tell us how to do it. You know, like that's our job. Like we need to take the time to learn how to become entrepreneurs for real. And um, if you're a girl, there are no shortcuts. Like, don't hook up with a guy or marry a guy because he's going to take care of you. That's just a prison. Mm -hmm. It is an effing trap. You'll be so much happier if you just do it on your own and you own your own house and you have your own money. Yeah, Erin was just quoting Cher to me the other day where Cher was in an interview talking about a conversation she had with her mom. And her mom was like, you need to settle down and find a rich man who can take care of you. And Cher's response was, mom, I am a rich man. (laughs) Hold on, someone just said something. I'm still perfecting myself, but I've decided to use my own voice. No worries, just simply be yourself. The people who care will always be there. The ones who aren't, are where they're supposed to be. Thank you. This is from Lauren Wesley Ackerman. Thank you, Lauren. Get it, Lauren. That's awesome. That's that's exactly what I was about to say when you're talking about your brand. You know, I, I am working on branding stuff for my business currently. And, um, there's a big focus, especially in the social media era, um, about how do you bring yourself to your brand, right? Because your brand is, anyone's brand is very valuable because it gives distance between themselves and their business. So that if something happens to their business, it doesn't hurt them personally as much. And it kind of give, it does the work for you. You're not constantly having to explain yourself because people can approach your brand and understand your brand. Simultaneously, we need to put as much of ourselves in our brand as possible because 
so much so now, as you said, this is the age of influencers. So it's not, no one wants to see a logo of a company. Everyone wants to see your face. No one wants just a slogan. They want to hear your words from your heart. So it requires you to be a significant part of your brand. Yeah, it's true. And I hear, I, everyone complains about social media. They really do. Well, depending on how old you are, (laughs) but your face being in front of a camera is a part of what we're doing now. Yep. So if you're against the current, you got to get in a boat and just start rowing people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're off to some island somewhere where people still feel the same. But unfortunately, that's not that's not how it's going to work. And thankfully, because of, you know, childhood experience performing and so on and so forth, I, when I was meeting with a bunch of other entrepreneurs uh, who are in the online space, I was like, yeah, no, you just have to show up in front of the camera. And they're like, I can't show up in front of the camera. I'm like, well, then you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> then you're fucked. You know what? And there are so many wonderful people out there who have, um, kind of surrendered to this new age, you know, influencer thing. And one of our friends, Monique Trinity Rose is Mm -hmm. a prime example of someone who is contributing so much positivity and light and goodness into the world. And she's using Facebook and YouTube you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But her lifestyle is so precious. It's so beautiful. I mean, Ashland, Oregon, she's meditating. She's a belly dance instructor. I mean, look at her quality of life. Yeah. But she's still utilizing these tools to to get this knowledge out to the world. So, And being authentic while doing it. Right. Absolutely. Authenticity is a major part of her brand. Yeah if one could call it a brand at that point. Right. Next time on Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. It's so valuable, I think, to find circles that can support you when another one of those circles is not supporting you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so true. I I get depressed when I'm not around artistic people that love rhinestones and feathers. Like... <laughs> I need to be around people that love to wear like stilettos and like crazy outfits. Every once in a while, I just need that. Or like stand-up comedy. Like, you know, it's all of those things are so helpful because it's not a black and white world, especially for, for, you know, creatives. We um, yearn for, you know, color and creativity and out loud living. Um, so go, go get it, go seek it out and find it. Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate for underscore life. That's educate the number four underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe. So expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.